I had the great experience walking in this room this morning, and I was greeted with, Happy Easter, he's still risen. Amen to that. If you, uh, we, aren't a real, we aren't a really strictly liturgical church following the church calendar, but this is still the season of Easter, and, and this is what we would call third Easter, and we just keep living out Easter, and it's great because um, we are considering what does it really mean as we put our faith in what Jesus has accomplished, his death, his resurrection, that, and the grace that we receive, the forgiveness and the new life, that does something to us, that changes us. And we're exploring that this morning. Uh, it was, and just I haven't seen, I haven't been to the North Andover campus since our Easter worship. And I just want to thank those of you who were involved in that and all who went. And, you know, folks from the Andover campus leave their seats, <laughs> their comfort of their seats. And uh, we, we leave here, North Andover, gather as one church. Well over a thousand people gathered to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just a great celebration. And now we consider, right, how do we live this out? Now, there was a, a number of people who came to worship on Easter and have now come to church or are starting to come back to church to explore, all right, how do I really walk in faith? What does this really mean? You're talking about this changing me, but what does that look like? What does that feel like? How do I know it? And if, if that's you today, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're exploring that with us because that's right at the heart of what we're doing in this series, this fruit series that we begin today. But for those of you who have been walking with the Lord, we would say, or been you know, connected to faith community for a while, that this is actually a perfect series for you too, because we all want to grow in faith and freedom that we get through Jesus, but you know, we could get stuck. We know that we've experienced in some way that change that God desires to do in us, but at the same time, it's... It can be hard. It doesn't, maybe we're not growing as fast or as far as we would like in our journey. And so as we explore these ideas, this is good for every one of us. And, and the reason, so why is it that it's, it's hard? Or why do we get stuck? And the reason is old habits die hard. I just, just a week ago, I was writing a note for my daughter, a, a pickup note. So when she's off her normal pickup schedule, I write, dear teacher, Please dismiss Shannon, uh, not to the bus, but to the parent pickup line on the date. And I wrote the date for something 2017. And she's watching me the whole time and she says, Dad, it's 2018. I said, oh, wow, it is. And I, and I know it's 2018. It's already the middle of April. And it's, spring is coming, they, they say. So maybe that has, maybe there's something in me that until, you know, it, the until there's daffodils, I'm not going to write 18, but, um, you know, I'm just stuck there. Um, and it's kind of a silly one, and I don't know when I'll actually start writing 18. And my sevens are easier than eights anyway, so I just sort of <laughs> one seven. But um, the, mine are really sloppy. The, uh, I talked to somebody yesterday who was an, an addict and uh, an alcoholic for, uh, for 35 years, an alcoholic, and has been sober for, I think, 20 years uh, in his life and was at a restaurant at a pancake house and was served an individual little serving of maple syrup. And it was plunked down in front of him and he immediately, his brain said, I want a drink because it was in a little, like what would have looked like a, a, a nip or something. And he said, right away my brain said, you want to have a drink. He's been sober for 20 years, but there's something inside that craves something that he knows is damaging, that he knows will damage him 
and he's, he, he, was, he made it through the pancake breakfast fine, you know, but um, there's been other times where that has been hard. These old habits die hard, and what is going on? What is going on when, the, when these things happen? And it's right here in verse 17. Look at verse 17. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we believe Jesus Christ died for my sins, according to the scripture, he was buried and he rose from the dead on the third day, and I put my faith in that and what that means for us, then I have faith in Jesus and it creates a conflict between my flesh and God's spirit. So I want to think about this battle today. What does the flesh do to me? It's, hint, it's not good. Uh, what is the spirit? How does the spirit operate within me? It is good. And how do I keep in step with that and step with the spirit? That's what we want to look at this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we, we are thinking about what your spirit does. And I just pray that for each one of us in this room, that we would just be very open to what your spirit is doing. That even as we, even as Lord, as I speak and as the meditations of all of our hearts, whatever crosses our minds, that we know that you by your spirit are present with us, even in our thoughts. And we pray that we would be in step with what your spirit desires during this time. So we give it to you. It's yours anyway, Lord, but we just yield. We submit our will to your will in this time. Give us the grace to do that. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, first of all, the flesh. What is the flesh? Look Again, verse 16. Uh, I say, so this is the apostle writing to the church in Galatia. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh. Uh, what, what is this flesh? And again, that the flesh desires what's contrary to God's Spirit and the Spirit contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict. Uh, it's the Greek word sarx, which we say flesh. Sometimes we would say sinful nature. It's the part of me that desires what I want. God's spirit in me desires what God wants. So the part of me that desires what I want is in conflict with the part that desires what God wants. It's, it, therefore, when we think about what feels right, I'm going to do what feels right. You know, I'm going to live my life and do what I think is right. The problem is with our feelings and our desires are, is that they are broken by sin. And because of that, just what feels right is not right. And before we had faith in Jesus, there was a, it was like going, when I go to um, vote at the, in, in Andover, we had an election a couple weeks ago. And you go and you fill out your ballot and there's people running unopposed. It's like, well, do I even vote? What's the point? Why am I here? But in, in our lives, our flesh ran unopposed, you know, campaign after campaign, and then we put faith in Jesus. Now we've, got, now we've got a campaign. Now we've got a fight. Now we've got a conflict. Now we've got opposing ideas. The flesh is no longer just running free. In other places in Scripture, it's described as the old self versus the new self. In Ephesians 4, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's the same idea that there's this old way, the flesh, my desires, and there's a new way, God's spirit, uh, who, which is doing something in us. And this is, this is what 
Faith does. Faith in the good news of Jesus. In verse 13, you are called to be free. So we are, in Jesus, we're freed from our failure, from our sin, from our needing to follow God's law exactly. Jesus followed God's law perfectly for us on our behalf. That was credited to us. All of his goodness, all of his righteousness, and all of our sin and brokenness is on him on the cross. There's a great exchange that happens on the cross. And so we are given this great freedom now. But the warning here is now that you have that freedom, don't use that freedom just to go back into the flesh and, and do what your flesh wants. And, you know, you get freedom. We are, do we have high school students in here? Are they... No? Okay, so here's, okay, let me give you a secret. Okay, okay, some high school students. Here's how it works. If you, if you go to college, and not, you, you know, if you go to college, high school is really hard, and you go to class every day, every day to class, and you go one class to the next class to the next class every single day. In college, you go to class, so you go to class on a Monday morning, it's my intro to the biology class, and they, three-hour lecture, 8 to 11, and they said, okay, we'll see you next week. I said, wait a minute, next week? We don't have to come back to class? For another week? <laughs> That's amazing. You know how much freedom that is? You go, or you go for an hour and a half on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> There's so much free time. They, they don't tell you that. They, you know, college, you got to work hard and it's this thing. It's like, no, it's... You hardly ever have to go to class. But the question is, that's true. I'm saying true things to high school students. But here's the deal. What you do with that freedom becomes very important. And you can use your freedom to um, be connected with other people in positive ways and to study and to read and to, um, to serve and to seek the Lord. Or you can just use it to just lose your mind. And, uh, and get wasted and get, you know, just... And so I know for me, I share that because uh, I experienced that and I actually ended up getting kicked out of college my freshman year. It was a terrible, terrible year because I had freedom and I didn't know what to do with it or I thought I knew what to do with it and it just did not work out. Um, use your freedom, in here in this context, use your, it says don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh but rather serve one another humbly in love. Because our flesh has these desires, but these desires are not good because they're broken by sin. So verse 16 says, walk by the Spirit and will you, will not you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The word here, desire, it's actually not the word desire. It's the word sort of over-desire. It's an excessive desire. It is, it is desiring something too much, sometimes translated passion or lust and, and excessive desire. So this is how the flesh works. The flesh takes something, and it could be something very good, and it puts it right into the center of your life. So if, if your life has a throne that where the king of your life is, it takes a good thing and it puts it right on that throne. But that's where God belongs, and only God. For example, human approval is not a bad thing. That people approve of you, that people like you, that is fine. But the flesh takes human approval and puts it, boom, right on the center of the throne of your life. Then, then that way, if you do not get approval, it's crushing. You feel that you're nothing because people don't approve of you or your work. If you get criticism and your human approval is on this throne, it, it, is, it will it, it devastate you. Another example. 
money and success. Money and success are good things. The, the Bible says as much. But our flesh takes money and success and puts it, boom, right on the center throne of our lives. And when money and success is on the center throne of your life, you will do anything to get it. You'll become a workaholic. You may cut corners to get ahead. You may uh, seek dishonest or unethical gain. And what is otherwise a good thing turns very bad. That's what our flesh does. Another thing, if you are a parent with children, you, your love and support of your children is a very good thing. What our flesh does is it takes our children and puts them on the throne of our life. And we just, all of our expectations go onto them. And what happens if the children are on the throne of, the, of your life is that your expectations of your children will crush them. Or they will crush you by their failures and not being able to live up to these massive expectations of being the center of the universe of your family. And there's no joy in that on either side. That's how the flesh works. Yourself. It is good to love and accept yourself. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. You, the expectation is that you do love yourself. You care for yourself. But if you put yourself on the throne of your life, in, this, in that very center place that God desires to live, what happens is you can't get past your own ego and self, and then you can no longer hear others around you. You become so hyper-aware of yourself when your ego is in that place, and it becomes very fragile. It, it really belongs on the floor, so that when somebody inevitably kicks it over, you just tip it back up. But if it's on the throne of your life and it gets pushed off, it will then shatter under that. See, it's in a place where it never belonged. That's what the flesh does. That's where we get this list of the acts of the flesh, which are obvious. But every one of these things, this is a terrible list. It's just a dirty list. Verses 19 through 21. But what the flesh does is takes a good thing, puts it where it doesn't belong, and, and it goes out of control. So let's go through the list. Just take a look. The first one here, I'm in verse 19, sexual immorality. Now, all that is, is the freedom to enjoy. Oh, so we're meant to be free, but our, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. So the flesh will take a freedom, put it in the center, and it goes wrong. So sexual immorality is the freedom to enjoy the pleasures of sexuality the way that God designs it. But it separates it from the reality of intimacy and God's design, and it goes out of control. So a fire in the fireplace in my living room is a, is a nice thing. It's warm, and it's pleasant, and it's enjoyable. But if I were to move that fire two feet out onto my living room floor, it will burn the house down. It's removing something good from the boundaries in which it was intended. Impurity and debauchery. This is the freedom of festivity to enjoy life, but it tears it apart. It takes that freedom and tears it apart from the community in which we live, and it's out of control. Idolatry is just the freedom of worship. But if we take that freedom and rely on the flesh, it separates the worship from the reality of the triune God, the true object of our worship. And it becomes idolatry. It's a very poor, it just becomes a poor substitute. Going through the list here, witchcraft. Witchcraft is really the freedom to have guidance from God, to 
seek God's blessing and guidance. And again, it separates it from trusting in God. And then it becomes something else. It's just a forced or a faked spiritual seeking, seeking spiritual guidance or spiritual blessing apart from God. And that's witchcraft. Hatred and discord, that's the freedom to promote goodness. That we have righteous indignation in our lives for, for things that are unjust and, and not good, and we, we are righteously indignant towards them, but it turns that into plain old indignation, and hatred comes from that. And we have the freedom to hate things that God hates, but when we just take hate and apply it anywhere, that's, this is where it turns into discord and it balloons into war and jealousy, fits of rage, self-esteem, or go right through the list. Every one of these is just a freedom that's good that we, we take the freedom, we act it out through our flesh, and it goes very wrong, and we get this terrible, disgusting list. It's a chaotic list. It is a random list. This is what our flesh does. So, so what does the spirit do? If that's the flesh. Second thing here is what's, what does the spirit do? The spirit produces fruit in the life of the believer. It is produced by the spirit. And it's not optional. It's not, you know, some believers produce fruit and some don't. Jesus said in Matthew 7, by their fruit, you will recognize them. He said, every tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown out. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If, if a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I say that not to undermine your assurance to say, well, if I'm not bearing fruit, does that mean I'm not connected to Jesus? I'm not saying to, to make you worried. I just, I say it to, as a gut check. Is this battle a reality in your life? Do you understand when you put your faith in Jesus that now there is a battle between your flesh and God's spirit that as God's spirit is at work, there will be fruit from that. If there is no battle in your life, perhaps there is no spirit there and perhaps you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I, I encourage you to consider faith in Jesus Christ and even today to um, to pray, pray with our prayer partners after service, to pray to receive his, his spirit, to receive Christ, to receive forgiveness, and to start this battle, because it's a beautiful work that the spirit does. And I'm not even talking about the battle between us and the, you know, God's spirit and, and the forces of evil, the devil and his demons, which is real as well. What happens there is as we operate in the flesh, the, the devil just will grab onto that. And, and continue to twist it and help you to feel the guilt and the failure of that. And to try to help you to forget the fact that you are already forgiven and declared righteous. But this is just about our own flesh. But let's look at this list. This is the good list. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And what are these? Look at this list. Let's go right through love. Love is about serving someone else for their sake, not for your own sake, not for what you get out of it. Joy is just sheer delight in God for who he is, not just what God gives you, not just God's blessings, but um, being satisfied in God. And what comes from that is steadiness, because you don't have all these mood swings because of my circumstances. Remember, the world says, if you're not satisfied, just change your circumstances. If you're not content, change your circumstances. <clears throat> what did we learn 
when we were studying through Philippians. Our contentment has nothing to do with our circumstances. It comes from someplace all totally different. Joy in God. Peace is trust in God. It's about not being anxious or worried. Patience or forbearance is the ability to suffer and to be wrong without losing it, without, without losing your mind and um, becoming bitter or giving up. Kindness is about serving other people in practical ways that flow from an inner security, knowing that you are loved and accepted by God, that you are blessed so that you can be a blessing. Kindness is very closely tied to generosity, that I've been blessed by God and I can freely give to others. That's kindness. Goodness is about integrity. Goodness is about being the same person in, in every situation. Who are you when nobody is looking? It's about truth-telling. It's being, about being bold in the truth, in love. Goodness. Faithfulness is loyalty and reliability. It's, it's, it's really tied to courage and, and even assertiveness in some ways. Gentleness is about humility. Not inferiority, but true humility, knowing that God has given you all things. That God is in control. And lastly, self-control. And basically, if you, ha- if you are exhibiting the other fruit of the Spirit, then self-control is probably right there. But it's the ability to do what's right rather than simply acting on my flesh or whatever I desire in my heart to do. I'm actually operating in the Spirit, doing what is right. So, but here's the thing. So we have that list, those nine fruit of the Spirit. And you look at a list like this and you say, yeah, you know, some of those things I do pretty well, but other things I'm kind of struggling with and I need, maybe need to tweak or work on. But the word fruit in, in English could mean one fruit or could mean many fruit. It's both singular and plural. In Greek here, the word fruit is singular. So this is one fruit. So... Uh, the, verse 19, the acts of the flesh, that's a plural. There's, there's a number of acts. But the fruit, singular, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. That, it's all one fruit. So it's not like a fruit salad. It's more like a super fruit. Like one crazy, amazing fruit. And it has all kinds of, the aspects of this one fruit is love and joy and peace and patience. All these things together. Therefore... Your temperament, just the way you're born and the way that you're wired and the way God made you, some of these are going to flow more naturally in your life. Um, you know, some people are just naturally more gentle. Some people are just naturally more self-controlled than others. But if we think of it as one fruit, if you're not growing in one of them, you're really not growing in, in, in any of it. So you could say, well, this person is loving, but not... Uh, this person is loving, but they're very anxious. Or... This person is gentle, but not honest. You know, this person has a goodness, you know, that righteousness in their life. But they're not loving or sensitive and really impatient and judgmental for those who don't exhibit the fruit of goodness the way that, you know, everybody else should. You can see just any one of them on their own doesn't, isn't, it's not what's being described here. So you look at the list, you say, okay, I'm, I'm okay here, I need to grow there. And this is very challenging. Because um, we're in this battle. My flesh doesn't desire these things. My flesh desires things that are contrary to this. Or my flesh desires something good and just puts it in the wrong place, it goes out of control. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend a week on each of these 
kind of parts of the fruit. And we'll use, we'll talk about them in the plural because I, I can't keep it straight, but we're going to spend a week on each one and it's going to bring us right into the summer, what we think. Um, but we want to understand the battle and move forward. So we're going to, I want you to come back, I want you to explore each of these and understand it. But just in general, in closing here, uh, let's think about what, what do we go from here? How can we just take this today? One, the first thing is this. As you're in this battle, remember that you belong to Jesus. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That you belong to Jesus. You are forgiven. You've been purchased by his blood. So on the cross, Jesus died. His blood is shed. That is a payment for you. You have been ransomed. That's a, an image in the Bible of what happened. So we are now secure in him and we can tr put our trust in him. We don't have to follow just our own desires. What we feel is right inside. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves, who am I? I am somebody who, am, who is loved by Jesus. I am not a failure. I, am not, I struggle with these things, but God isn't just judging me because he judged Jesus in my place. So I can freely, I, I have the freedom and I can freely pursue what the Spirit is doing and seek what the Spirit is cultivating in my life. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves, I belong to Jesus. First thing. Second thing. Crucify the flesh. Again, same verse, 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And there's other places in Scripture where it talks about killing sin and, and crucifying it, that it's a process. So we need to see it when it's happening. We need to recognize it. We need to name it. And we need to kill it. When is it time to kill something? Well, maybe when you're being attacked or somebody's going to kill you or kill your family member, you would then, that would be an appropriate time to kill. So John Owen, who's a, a famous English Puritan, he wrote a book called The Mortification of Sin. It's this whole book about killing sin. And it's a really, it's honest, it's, it's above my reading level. I've actually tried to read this book and got kind of hung up. But here's a quote that, and you could, um, if you ever want a good read, John Owen, Mortification of Sin. And, um, but here's a quote. He says, Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it while you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will kill you. If, if we don't engage in this battle, we will lose in this battle and it will destroy us. So use this list of the, the acts of the, of the flesh. And use this dirty list. Use the dirty list. It's in the Bible. It's, and, and use that instead of your own nice words. I'll give you an example. You're with your small group, you can say, group, can you pray for me? I've been tempted a little. Or you could say, I'm struggling with sexual immorality, which is what that is. That is a battle of your flesh. You can call it being tempted a little, but it's a battle against sexual immorality. Make sense? I'll give you, I'll give you a few more. <laughs> you could say to your person you pray with, I'm struggling with my thought life. Or you could say, I'm struggling with impurity. Because that's what it is. 
You could go to your group and say, I think I need to reorder my priorities a little better. Or you could say, I'm struggling with idolatry. You could ask someone to pray because you are struggling to get along with a coworker. Or struggling with hatred, discord. Again, we, we sometimes are really... Um, we're, we're, and the reason why we use the dirty list is because we're trying to kill it. So we want to name it. We want to recognize it, name it, and kill it. And again, you belong to Jesus. It's, it's about his work, not ours. And we're free then to confess our sin and to repent of it because he paid for it. It has no power over us. And it, but it's not easy to kill. That's why I say use the strong language because it, it's just not easy to kill. And then have a good fight. Have a good fight. Um, the one author said, when we are crucifying sin, we're going after all that is evil, all that desires evil, all that lures us towards evil, and we go after it like an intolerant, unaccommodating, spiritual assassin. I wish Brian was here to read that one. <laughs> just, just go after it. So remember, who, remember you belong to Jesus. Just, just name it, repent of it, just kill it. And, um, and lastly, live by the Spirit. Verse 20, oh, verse 16 says, walk by the Spirit. Verse 25 is keep in step with the Spirit. You know, just believing things about Jesus does not automatically change your life. That we, it needs to turn into a walk. Understanding what the Spirit is doing and seeking to, to experience and know the Spirit so that the Spirit can produce this fruit. Uh, the role of prayer is very important here. We could actually pray in the flesh. One way of praying in the flesh is getting up and saying, God, please bless all the things that I'm going to do today. Praying in the Spirit is, God, I want to be open to your Spirit and what your Spirit is doing and responding to what you're doing today. Not you responding to what I already chose to do today. You see the difference? It's just, the, the role of prayer is huge in this. We'll, we'll get to that more as we go through this. Um, but let me just, so let me stop there, but let me say this. Because this could all go very wrong very quickly. That fruit is not something that you produce in your life. If we walk through these next nine weeks and we say, you know what, I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to work harder to be more self-controlled. I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to be more loving. We will inevitably fail because this is not your work. This is the work of the Spirit. And we're calling the, the series Fruit because it's nice and it's a good graphic. That's actually real fruit. Sammy works in our office and she took real fruit. She drew that by hand and put real fruit and took a picture of it. That's pretty cool. She's so talented. Um, we could easily call this series Spirit because it's about what the Spirit is doing. It's not about us bearing fruit. It's about, because um, it could just devolve into this trying harder thing. How, just be more patient. Um, the passage doesn't say bear fruit. The passage says walk in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. We were called to be free. It's just a matter of how we use that freedom. And we're going to use that freedom. May God give us the grace to use that freedom to know his spirit, to know his voice, to walk with the spirit. And may that produce beautiful fruit in us. Let us pray. Father, that's our desire. And we give this next week, these next weeks as we continue to walk together as a community and consider these things, we, we want to be free in you, not to be burdened by uh, just 
having to perform for you, but you've accepted us. And can we just take that, Lord, and run with it and just enjoy you and enjoy the freedom you bring and the good work that your spirit is doing in and through us. Be glorified by this church. Be glorified by the way that we live our lives as we help us to understand when our flesh is operating. Help us to understand when we when we pursue things and put things at the center of our life, Lord, that are not you. That is, we confess that as idolatry. We confess that you are to be our number one priority, Lord. Give us the grace to do that and to live that, Lord, and be glorified in that. May you receive pleasure from that, and may it be a blessing to our community as we go about our week, Lord, whatever we put our hand to at work, may you be glorified that that would be fruitful on the front lines of our lives. May, as we interact with people in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, Lord, may, may your goodness be known. May your love be known. May uh, your gentleness be known in and through us, your people, to the glory of your name, Lord. We are yours. It is all yours, Lord. But Lord, we fall short. We pray your forgiveness. We receive your grace again on the basis of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished. We, we receive it and we move forward with grateful hearts, Lord. We praise you for your salvation. Thank you for your spirit. We pray these things in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.